I'm getting the um, mic and everything set up, uh, we can open our Bibles to First Samuel, chapter thirty. Samuel chapter 30 and we'll start reading from verse 1 we're just reading down to verse 5 and then we'll open up in a word of prayer so 1st Samuel chapter 30 verse 1 it says and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Zag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burnt it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein and slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you, Lord, for this night. We thank you, Lord, so much for this local church we've got here faithfully serving you, Lord. And we thank you that we can gather around your word once again, Lord. And I pray that you would give me wisdom tonight, Lord. Help me to know the right things to say. And I pray, Lord, that... Um, as we study your word tonight that it would be a blessing to us and that we can um, just learn something that we can apply to our lives Lord as we seek to grow closer to you in our daily walk Lord and we do ask these things in Jesus name Amen James chapter 4 and verse 8 says draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you and speaking about this verse one commentator said if we are far from God he hasn't distanced himself from us we have distanced ourselves from him he used the example of an elderly couple was driving down the road in their car which had a front bench seat and as they drove the wife noticed that in many similar cars with couples in the front seat the woman sat close to the man as he drove she asked her husband, why is it that we don't sit that close anymore? He simply answered, it wasn't me who moved. You know, if we are far from God in our lives, it's not God that's moved, it's us. If we have strayed away from God and our relationship with God is not what it should be, we're not walking with him as close as we should be, then I can guarantee you it's not God that's moved, it's us, we've moved. You know, David, for a long time, as I've been preaching through 1 Samuel, for a long time, David has been in this situation. David has been far from God. And thus, he's been missing out on some great blessings from God and seeing God's providence at work in his life. He's been living among the Philistines, as we've seen. He's been a long way from God's will. He's strayed from God. And God has disciplined him for it. As we've seen over the last several chapters, God has been disciplining David little bit by little bit, encouraging him to turn back to him you know last time we saw that David was so far from God he was even willing to march with the Philistines into war against Israel against his own people against his God's people you know however God intervened and David was mercifully spared from that fight 
You know, in this chapter, though, David finally comes to his senses. He's further disciplined by God, and we are going to see this. And he realizes through this discipline that he has strayed from God, that he's far from God, far from where he should be, and thankfully he returns to him. So tonight, I want us to have a look at David's return to God. David's return to God, and in David's returning to God, we will also see how God's blessings and providence returned to David. So first of all, David's return to God. We've just read verses 1 to 5, which sets the scene for this chapter for us, where in the opening verses we see David and his men are returning home to Ziklag from Aphek. Now, Aphek is where they went to march with the Philistines against Israel, and they were uh, planning on going to war against Israel. Like I said, thanks to God's mercy, David and his men were spared from that battle and ordered by King Achish to return back home to Ziklag. And it's taken them three days to get home, we read at the start of the chapter. It says, and it came to pass in verse 1, when David and his men would come to Ziklag on the third day. So it's taken them three days to get back home to Ziklag from Aphek, where they were. And when they get home after this three-day journey, they do not receive the welcome that they are expecting from their families for the simple reason that their families are not there. They return home to find things are definitely not the way they left them possibly a couple of weeks ago, depending on how long they were in Aphek before they got sent home. They come home to find their city has been burnt with fire and all of their families and possessions were gone. That's what it says in verse 3 of this chapter. It says... Um, so David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. All of their families had been taken. Their whole city had been burnt with fire. They lost a lot. You know, and at this time, David and his men would have had no idea who'd done this. We know from reading this that it was the Amalekites. But David and his men upon returning home would have had no idea who had done this or even if they had a clue who had done this, they wouldn't have known where they were gone where they'd gone to. Now, the Amalekites, they were nomadic people. They didn't exactly stay in the same spot very often. Um, and they largely survived by plundering nations and cities, other nations and tribes, which is what they'd done here. And they also, the Amalekites also had a great hatred for Israel that started right back from when Israel came out of Egypt. They attacked Israel not long after they came out of Egypt. And ever since then, the Amalekites had a hatred for Israel and kept on fighting against them. You know, it wouldn't have taken long for the Amalekites to get word of what was happening between Philistine and Israel. Word would have spread around um, pretty quickly to the Amalekites that the Philistines were gathering together in the north, which is a long way away from where they were, to fight against Israel. And that all their men had gone there to fight. And it wouldn't have taken them long to either to hear that David and his men, his band of 600, had gone to fight with the Philistines. So taking advantage of this, the Amalekites think quickly and they go and plunder as many cities and um, areas of both Philistine and Israel that they can, while either most or nearly all of the um, fighting men, men are able to fight, have gone to war and left their cities and towns largely unguarded. So they took advantage of this and it wasn't just David's city that they attacked if we look over in verse 14 and we will come to verse 14 in a minute but in verse 14 they've found an Egyptian slave in the desert who was actually a slave to an Amalekite servant to an Amalekite at the time David didn't know this but it says in verse 14 the Egyptian slave is talking and he says we made an evasion upon the south of the 
Cherethites. Now the Cherethites are Philistines. And upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, obviously Israel, and upon the south of Caleb, Israel. And we burnt Ziklag with fire. And the Ziklag was the city there David was living, which was in Philistine territory. It was a Philistine city. So it wasn't just Ziklag that they've attacked. They've attacked lots of different Philistines and the Israelites to try and take advantage of this big war that was happening in the north while the cities were largely unguarded and defenseless. But Ziklag here is the only one that they mention by name of an actual city. The rest are regions and this is the only one that they actually mention was burned with fire. Now it may have been that they burnt all the other cities with fire but this one was mentioned specifically. And this was done for probably two reasons. First of all, it was probably retaliation. You see, back when David was um, first given the city of Ziklag, he'd been in Philistine for a while. He'd um, somehow grand, uh, gained the trust of um, the king um, in Gath, the Philistine king. He gained his trust and he thought that um, David was loyal to him and he gave David his own city. He and his 600 men and their families could dwell. While that was happening, David was secretly going out and fighting against Israel's enemies. Now, he wasn't doing this in the will of God, and we've sort of looked about this um, previously, so we're not going to look into it much, but have a look back in chapter 27 and verse 8 and 9. This is when David's living in Ziklag, and he's going out fighting against the enemies of Israel. Meanwhile, King Achish of Philistine thinks he is fighting against um, Israel. And it says in verse 8 in chapter 27, And David and his men went up and invaded the uh, Geshurites and the Gezerites and the Amalekites. So there's the nation that we're talking about. For those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to Shur, even unto the land of Egypt. And David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive, and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. So David here and his band of 600, they were attacking other cities and nations from um, their city of Ziklag. And one of them was the Amalekites and they were very merciless in their attack, which we won't go into the details of because we've done that previously. But this was probably retaliation. The Amalekites have probably heard that David and his band of 600 have left Ziklag and they've gone to join the fight and they've thought, oh beauty, it's payback time. So they've gone and raided other cities and then Ziklag, they've taken very careful, been very careful to burn Ziklag, to take their possessions and to capture all their wives and children as a bit of retaliation for what they've done for them. Now it's also the other reason I believe it's mentioned by name here is because as we'll see later, this is part of God's providence to David. So David could find out exactly who was responsible for burning Ziklag and where their families had been taken to, which we will come to later. But it's also the providence of God. And we see there in verse 4 and 5, it says, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. You know, we see here the people's responses, David and his people's responses. They wept until they had no more power to weep. These people here were broken. They were heartbroken over what had happened, as you would be. Imagine if you'd left home for two weeks, you've come back, and then your sons, your daughters, and your wives are all gone, taken captives. You don't know where they've gone. You don't even know if they're still alive. All your possessions are gone. Your house is burnt to the ground. You're left down to nothing. 
you would be heartbroken if you came home to this. As David and his men were, they wept until they had no more power to weep. You know, but David especially has lost all. This is God's chastening on David's life. This is correction in his life. He's feeling here the rod of correction from God. God has gently been prodding him, trying to get him to return to God for many chapters now. Gently nudging him in the right direction and David has not. So now he's feeling the wrath of God. And David has lost everything. David has lost Israel, his people, his nation. He was chased out of the nation of Israel by Saul. Now that was wrong on David. He should have stayed in Israel the whole time. had faith in God. A lack of faith made him leave, but Saul chased him out of Israel. So he's lost his people, he's lost his nation, he's lost his home, he's separated from his family, he's separated from his friend Jonathan, his good friend Jonathan. Not only this, but he's wandered away from God. He's lost touch with his one true God, and David's a man after God's own heart, and he's walked away from God. Not only has he lost all these things, but now he's with the Philistines, and the Philistines don't even want him. They kicked him out of their army and said, you are not marching with us, you are not fighting with us, the Philistines don't want him. And now on top of all of this, his family is also gone. And all of this was David's fault. Ever since chapter 27, where David left Israel to live with the Philistines, like I said, God's been sending him gentle wake-up calls, slowly prodding him, slowly correcting him, hoping to get him to come back to God. Little bit by little bit, gentle nudges, but slowly the wrath of God gets more and more and more until God has to chasten us. And this is what's happened here. David is experiencing the rod of God's correction. We've looked at the discipline of God in David's life before and in Saul's life, and sadly until now they ignored it. We need to make sure that we don't ignore the direction of God in our lives. I've preached on that before about ignoring when God is nudging us in the right directions and the dangers of it. You know, but we can also be so grateful for God being a merciful and patient God, can't we? It's been a long time that David's been separated from God. It's been a long time that he's been walking on his own, doing his own thing, doing it his way instead of God's way. Yet God was so patient with David. And even now, even now when God has poured out his wrath on David and David is a broken man and he thinks he's lost everything and that it couldn't get possibly worse, even in this, God is merciful, which we will see a little bit. He is still merciful to David in his correction. And you know, we can praise God for a merciful and patient God with us, can't we? So often we stray from God. So often our relationship with God is not what it should be. And God gives us these gentle nudges back. He has every right to pour out his full wrath on us for disobeying him, but he doesn't. Even when we do feel the correction of God in our lives, it's tempered mercy and love. We can praise God for that. It goes on then in verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. You know, as often as we do... <coughs> David's 600 men here now start to find someone to blame. They've gone through the emotion of weeping. They've, they've gone through the sorrow and the heartache and they've weeped until they've got no more power to weep. Their tears are all dried up. They've got no more to give. And now all that emotion turns to anger. 
And they start looking for someone else to blame in all of this. You know, we shouldn't look for other people to blame for our mistakes. For where we get to in life, we shouldn't look for other people to blame. When in this case, they, they could blame David, but they also had to blame themselves. They were the ones that followed David into all this mess. They could have said no. They could have stood up against David and said, no, David, what you're doing is not right by God. But the, sadly, they didn't. You know, but David was the one that led these men. They could have stood up to David. They didn't, and that was wrong. But David was the one who led these men. He was the one that led them out of Israel into Philistine in the first place. He was the one that went to King Achish and asked them to give him a city outside of the main city, and he gave him Ziklag. David was the one that led his soldiers to fight with the Philistines against Israel, which ultimately left their families vulnerable and, under, and without any defense. David was to blame for a lot of what had gone on. And like we said, this was God's punishment on David. You know, just like the storm that came upon the boat that Jonah was on. That was Jonah's fault. Jonah was running from God and God sent that big storm. It wasn't the, the blame of the men that were on the boat. That was God's punishment coming on Jonah. And the same is true here. God's punishment is coming on David and it's affecting those that were with him as well. You know, David's 600 men though here, his faithful 600 even turned against him. Just when David think that things couldn't get even worse, his faithful 600 realise what's going on, realise who it is that led them into this mess and they want to stone him, which was what we read in verse 6. They want to kill him. You know, God really had broken David here and he needed to. God had to take everything away from David to bring him back to where he wanted him to be. You know, and praise God, David that. Because this meant that the future king of Israel actually did turn again to God. He stopped thinking about himself. He stopped thinking about what he could do and how he could do it. And he started thinking about what God wanted him to do. But it took God to break him to actually bring him back. You know, if we stray from God in our lives, like I said, God gently nudges us in the right direction. But if we keep on getting further and further away from God and not listening to the call of God in our lives, it may take God breaking us to bring us back. I'm sure many of us can think of a time in our life where God has had to do this to us, where God has had to break our hearts before we've turned back to him. Let's learn from that. Learn from when it's happened to us. Learn from when it's happened to David. And when we feel the call of God and we know we're straying from him, turn back to God before he has to break us. You know, and praise the Lord, this is what David does here. At the end of verse 6 it says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, God took everything in this world away from David in order to bring him back, and it worked. You know, praise God, David listened here and he encouraged himself in the Lord. The word encouraged here can also be translated as strengthened. David drew nigh to God here. He encouraged himself in God and he strengthened himself in God. You know, notice here it says David encouraged himself in the Lord, himself. He didn't expect somebody else to do it for him. He didn't say, yeah, I've strayed from God. All right, you're my right hand man. Can you fix it for me, please? I'll just, I'll, I'll chill here. Fix it. Sort me out. It doesn't work. David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
You know, if we are straying from God, it's something that we need to fix. It's not something that anybody else can fix us. It's something that we need to fix ourselves. Now, I wonder how, though, David drew nigh to God here. How did David encourage or strengthen himself in God? How did he do it? Well, from reading the Psalms, from things that David wrote, from reading earlier chapters when David was walking with God, from reading any other passages in Scripture, there's hundreds of them. It's not hard to find out how. You know, the very first thing that David would have done is by spending time in prayer and reading God's law, by meditating on the law. We know from Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the man, not the man that walks with the ungodly or sits with them. Blessed is the man that spends time with the Lord, that meditates in his law day and night. Blessed is the man that delights himself in the Lord. This is what David would have done first. He would have meditated in the Lord day and night. He would have prayed to the Lord his God, surrendered himself, apologized for what he'd been doing, the way he'd been living, asked God for forgiveness, and he would have meditated in his law day and night. And that is the first thing that we need to do. If we've strayed from God and we get to the point where we realize, God, yes, I've strayed from you. I'm not where I should be. The first thing we need to do to fix ourselves up is to spend time with God in prayer and in his word, in meditation, thinking about God, spending time with God. That's the first thing that David did. It's the first thing that we need to do. You know, another thing that David would have done, which we can see from the Psalms, is um, in Psalm 117, let's go there, Psalm 117, David would have strengthened himself in seeing God's mercy. He would have strengthened himself in God's mercy. Psalm 117, it says, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. Why are we to praise him? For his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. We are to praise the Lord for his merciful kindness is great toward us. This is also how David would have strengthened or encouraged himself. He would have encouraged himself by looking at God's mercy. We've already seen the mercy of God a lot of times in David's life. And David could have looked back now and seen God's mercy in sparing him from the battle against the Israelites. That was the mercy of God that stopped him from fighting. At the time, David would have been annoyed about it probably and sort of, who knows what David was thinking, but he wouldn't have seen the mercy of God in it at the time because he was far from God. But now he can see the mercy of God, not just in this, but in everything else that God has done for him over his life and the mercy of God just in the nation of Israel. David would have seen the mercy of God and we can do the same. If we're straying from God to get back to God, we not only need to meditate in his word and pray, we need to focus on who God is, focus on his loving mercy toward us. What we read in the Bible, the, the mercy that God's shown to the nation of Israel and all the other Bible, and then on the mercy of God in our lives. See what God's done for us, the mercy of salvation. Focus on God's mercy. You know, David also would have strengthened himself in God's promises. In God's promises. Have a look in Psalm chapter 89. Psalm chapter 89. Now this psalm is about... Um, the covenant God made with David. We're going to read a few verses from here and we'll jump around a little bit. But Psalm chapter 89, we'll just start at verse 3. It says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. So this is talking about the promises that God makes. In verses 20 to 24 now, it says, I have found David my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him. 
with whom my hand shall be established, mine arm shall also strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and my name shall his horn be exalted. Drop down also to verse 34 and 35. It says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter. The thing that is gone out of my lips, once I have sworn by my holiness, that I will not lie unto David. That's just a bit of a glimpse of God's covenant to David. A bit of a glimpse how God promises that he was going to take care of David. He was going to beat down his foes. He was going to show David loving mercy and kindness. And that finishes that promise by saying, the things that are gone out of my lips, I will not change. I will not alter. I will not break them. You know, David could have taken comfort in that. And I've preached previously where David has taken comfort in the promise of the Lord. The comfort that he has the, is the anointed king and he knows God will take care of him. You know, but we can also take comfort in God's promises for us. There are so many promises spread throughout the Bible that we can claim for ourselves if we want. And we can take comfort in them just as David would have done. You know, the fourth thing I think David would have done is strengthen himself in God's works. The last passage we'll look here at is Psalm 143, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 143, verses 4 and 5. And this is a psalm of David. It says in verse 4, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, my heart within me desolate. So David here, he's, he's in a bad way. He's a bit down. And then it says in verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse or ponder on the work of thy hands. David here, when he was feeling down, thinks about God's works. Thinks about what God has done of old for the nation of Israel and thinks about what God has done in his life. That also, uh, beloved, is the same for us. We can focus on what God has done for Israel in his word, what God has done for us, focus on his works. You know, David did all these things to draw nigh to God and we need to do the same. If our relationship is not what it should be, we need to strengthen ourselves in God, encourage ourselves in God. We need to draw nigh to Him. And we do this through prayer and meditation in His Word. We do it through remembering His loving mercy. We do it by claiming promises and by remembering His works. You know, when David drew this, when David did this, he drew nigh to God. God drew nigh to him. That's what we look at for our second and final point. God's promise, oh sorry, God's providence and blessings return to David. God's providence and blessings return to David. In verses 7 to 8 it now says, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail shall recover all. You know, David now thinking correctly, he doesn't rush into anything. He's been doing that and trusting in himself, and it hasn't worked very well for him lately. The whole time he was with the Philistines, we don't read of him once inquiring of the Lord. You know, he knows what needs that, that needs to change now, so he changes it. He's stopped to strengthen himself in the Lord and fix his relationship with God and now he wants to follow God's will. And he takes the time to know what God's will is. 
Yes, it was a very big thing for David. If you think about it from David's point of view, David is a soldier. He's a fighter. He's been away for a while. He's come back and his city's burned with fire. All their families are gone. If you attack a soldier, they're going to attack back. The first thing that the world would think is, we need to leave. Go now and chase after these people. Find out where they went as quick as possible. Don't waste any time and slay them. Overthrow them. Destroy them. Retaliate. That's the very first thing that we would be thinking and the very first thing that David, in the way he's been living over the last few chapters, that's the way David would think. He would want to fight back straight away, but not now, not here. He's learned that his way is not the best way and now he wants to do it God's way. So he takes the time to ask God if he should pursue the enemy or not. He says, God, should I? Should I actually pursue after them? You know, it would have taken a lot of self-control from David to ask this of the Lord. And he did it the right way. He's asked Abiathar, the priest, to bring the ephod and then he's inquired of the Lord. And we won't get into all the details of the ephod and how this would have worked. Um, it possibly would have been with the Urim and the Thummim, and uh, I'm not going to get into all that. But basically, the point here is David did it right. David inquired of the Lord how he was meant to. He used the priest, he talked to God, and God was now with him. God was answering him. In, verse, in the end of verse 8, we read, um, And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. God says, Yes, David. Go and pursue after them and you are going to overtake them. In other words, you're going to defeat them. And he says, and without fail, recover all. God promises here that David will not only overtake them and defeat them, but also that he will recover everything. David hadn't even asked for this. This is where God's blessings are starting to come in, back into David's. Now, he said, God, should I pursue them? Yes or no? Will we actually overtake them? That's all David's asked. Do you want me to chase after him and will we win? God has said, yes, David, chase after him. And on top of that, David, not only are you going to win, but you're going to get everything back that was taken from you. And we'll find out later that it was actually more than that too. This is where God's blessings are coming in. God says that he will give us above all that we ask or think. That's if we're walking with him. And this is what David's happening to David now. He is being blessed by God. You know, notice so. God gave him a command and then a promise to follow it. God said, yes, David, pursue after the enemy and you'll surely overtake them and without fail, recover all. You know, when God gives us promises, a lot of the times they come with conditions. We can claim God's promises, but they come a lot of the times with conditions. Our very first verse we looked at today, delight, sorry, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The condition is we need to draw near to God and then the promise is that he will draw near to us. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Condition, promise, thou shalt be saved. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Hebrews, uh, James 4.7 says, resist the devil and here's the promise, he will flee from you. Psalm 37.4, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Proverbs 3.5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. They're the commands. And then what's the promise there? He will direct our paths. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And this is the promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. God has so many promises for us in the Bible, so many. But a lot of them are conditional. 
We can't be lazy Christians. God wants us to get out there and work for him. Get out there and actively obey him. And this is what David needed to do. David needed to first pursue the enemy and then he would overthrow them and he would recover all. If David sat at home and said, thank you, Lord, you said we're going to recover all. Thank you. And he waited. Nothing would have happened. It's the same with us. If we say, if we read this promise, draw near to God, he will draw near to us. He will draw near to us. Thank you, Lord. Draw near to me, please. It's not going to happen. Not unless we actively obey God. You know, in this next part of the chapter, in verses 11 to 16, um, we'll quickly take time to read this. It says, And they found an Egyptian in the field, verse 11, and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat. And they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came against him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days ago and I fell sick. And we made an evasion upon the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. Now in this next part of the chapter, David and his men are pursuing the enemy. And at this stage, they still don't know who they are or where they've gone to. And all they would be doing is following whatever tracks they could find. And on their way, they come across an Egyptian who'd been left for dead in the wilderness. And David decides to stop and help him. Now, from an earthly point of view, this was the wrong decision. They needed to pursue the enemy quickly and not waste any time, get there as fast as they could. But from a godly point of view, this was the right thing to do. This was God's providence returning to David as well. God's hand was now at work in David's life and David could see it. David took the time here to be kind to this stranger, took the time to help this man that was left for dead and he then discovers that he was an Egyptian slave to an Amalekite and he offers him up the information of the Amalekites are the ones that burned Ziklag and not only that, he offers to David to take him to the Amalekites provided David doesn't kill him or hand him back to the Amalekites. David agrees and this was God's providence returning to David. David could now see God working in his life. If, God, if David wasn't acting in a godly manner and wasn't kind to this dying, he would have missed out on this blessing here. He would have missed out on seeing the hand of God at work. Now, I wonder if we've ever, or how many times, we've missed out on seeing the hand of God at work in our lives because we haven't been godly in our walk. I wonder if there's ever been a time where God has had a blessing waiting there for us or the providence of God is just waiting there for us and we can see something amazing happen. But we've missed the opportunity because we haven't been godly in our daily walk. If David wasn't godly in his daily walk here and thinking of others and just thinking about himself, he would have missed this. You know, praise God though he didn't and it's a lovely way for David to see God now working in his life once again. And then the last verses that we're going to read is verses 17 to 20. It says, And David smote them from twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. 
And David recovered all the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither their sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that had taken, sorry, they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drove before at the other, those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. Now, just as God promised, David and his men smote the Amalekites. And just as God promised, they recovered all that was taken from them. And nothing was lacking. None of their families were slain or missing. Everything was recovered. And that in itself is a miracle. That's the mercy of God coming to work in David's life. You know, and on top of this, verse 20, it says, And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drove before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. This is David's spoil. David gathered here more than what was taken from him. He recovered everything that was taken from Ziklag plus more. And all this David took, which was David's spoil, was all the stuff that they'd taken from uh, the Israelite cities and the Philistine cities that they'd um, gone and raided upon besides, sorry, besides Ziklag. You know, this is God giving David more than what he'd asked for. He asked simply to pursue the enemy and to overthrow them. Not only has God given him that, God has given him back everything that was taken from them. Not only that, God has given David far more spoil than that. And next time we'll see just how much spoil it was and what David did with it. But God has greatly blessed David here because he is now walking, walking with God. God's providence and blessings are returned to David in this chapter. And for a long time, David hadn't seen God's hand at work or the blessings. Now, when David was with the Philistines, yes, God was still working and yes, his hand of mercy was there, but David wouldn't have seen that. David wouldn't have seen the blessings of God. David wouldn't have seen him at work. And when God was working, it was correctional. It was trying to push David in the right direction, prevent him from going even further down the wrong track. Now God's hand at work was a blessing to David. It was giving him more than he could ask or think. It was leading, direction, uh, leading David and showing him which path to go. David was now in sweet fellowship with God once again. Yeah, but David first had to act himself, didn't he? He had to draw nigh to God. He had to encourage himself in the Lord and then he had to actively obey the Lord. And the same is true of us. If our relationship is not right with God, then we need to fix it. David did it by like we saw. He strengthened himself in God through prayer and meditation. He did it through remembering God's loving mercy. He did it through looking at God's promises, remembering and claiming God's promises. And he did it by looking at God's works. You know, we need to do the same. Draw nigh to God by encouraging ourselves in God. But then we need to also actively obey God. We need to claim his promises and blessings. But we can't do that as lazy Christians. We need to act and go and obey God and follow him. If David didn't pursue the enemy but expected God to still keep his promise, it wouldn't have happened. Just like we can't expect God to keep all these promises in his word to us if we don't act upon them first. You know, if we want God to bless our lives, to see God's providence and claim his promises, we need to actively obey him. But first of all, if we've strayed from God, we need to draw nigh to him. And beloved, like we said at the start, if we're not walking where we should be from God, with God, if we've, if we've strayed from God, it is not God who's moved. It is us who have moved. Let's close in prayer.
So Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. We thank you so much for um, this next part of um, the book of 1 Samuel, Lord, and this important lesson, Lord, that if, if we aren't walking where we should be with you, it's not you who's moved, Lord. It's not you who's changed, it's us. And Lord, I do pray that just this little bit of a glimpse of how David returned to you might be an encouragement to us, Lord, that if we're straying from you, if we're not where we should be, that Lord, we can return to you like David did so that we can experience your blessings in our life, we can experience your providence, and Lord, that we can claim your promises that you have for us in your word. Lord, we do pray that you would help us to remember these things in our lives as we seek to live for you. Pray you'll bless the rest this night. In Jesus' name, amen.